Our second scripture lesson this morning comes from the book of the prophet Jeremiah. Jeremiah lived during a time in which the people of God had gone seriously astray. There was violence in the streets, no one cared for anyone, and the prophet called the people out. And when the people had been exiled, the prophet spoke words of hope. And this is what he said. The days are surely coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. It will not be like the covenant that I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, a covenant that they broke, though I was their husband, says the Lord. But this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my law within them, and I will write it on their hearts. I will be their God, and they shall be my people. No longer shall they teach one another or say to each other, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me, from the least of them to the greatest, says the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity and remember their sin no more. The word of the Lord. Let us pray. Loving and gracious God, we do come before you this day seeking your spirit and your word. We ask that you move our hearts. Soften them. Help us to read your law that is written on them. And may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. My husband and I were married on Memorial Day weekend in 1999. It was the Sunday of Memorial Day weekend, and it was a hot day. The Smithtown Presbyterian Church, where we were married, is an old church, and it doesn't have air conditioning, but it does have a balcony. And I am told that in the balcony it was 95 degrees. Well, people probably wished that we had only had two or three readings instead of nine, and that it had not been 45 minutes long, but when you have invited a dozen clergy to your marriage ceremony, sometimes it can get a little out of hand. It was hot and we were late. I remember a lot about our wedding, but I can never seem to remember the date. See, being married on Memorial Day weekend, we get confused about the number. It could have been May 29th or May 30th or May 31st. We have been known to celebrate our anniversary on any of those days and count it as the right day. In fact, sometimes we have gotten it messed up and we did not even realize it. Even after 19 years of marriage, my husband still tries to confuse me when it gets close to that time. Was it the 29th 
or the 31st. When I get confused, I take off my wedding band, and there the date is engraved, May 30th, 1999. PT plus MV, 530, 1999. Of course, a ring is more than a date. And I say at every marriage ceremony, as I take the rings of those who I am marrying, and I lift them up and I say, oh God, make these rings to be signs of unending love and faithfulness in the covenant of marriage, in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. This Lent, we have been looking at God's covenants with God's people. Talked about the promise of God's peace and the promise of a future, the promise of healing, the promise of law, the promise of a new heart, God's promises along the way. But promise is another word for covenant. And covenant can seem to be a bit more weighty as covenants are often legally binding contracts, as with marriage. Now, the prophets tend to use this covenant language when speaking about God's relationship with the people. And that covenant language of marriage with Yahweh as the husband and Israel as the bride can sound very, very odd to our ears. We're not talking romantic love, but that covenant of the heart of devotion and unending love and faithfulness. For that is the love with which God loves us and the love to which we are called. God declares God's promise to us of love over and over again. In the beginning, when God created, God fell in love with humanity. And when humanity corrupted creation, God made peace and the covenant. I will always love you. And when people went astray again, God made a covenant with Abraham and Sarah and promised, I will be with you and your descendants no matter what. God gave the promise of a future, made a covenant. And when the people became enslaved and God led the people to a new life of freedom, God gave the law. This is how you live freely in love for one another. God gave a covenant. And when the people broke the covenant over and over and over again, God provided healing. And now in the time of Jeremiah, when their nation is falling apart and the king is a self-indulgent tyrant, ruthless to his opponents, the people have revived the practice of child sacrifice. And before we put that so much in the past as a barbaric ritual, 
Let us pause for a moment and consider the children of our day and how we might be sacrificing them. No one cared for the vulnerable people. No one paid any attention to God's covenant. And God told Jeremiah, the root of the problem is the heart of the people. God called the people of, people of a stubborn and rebellious heart. For what did they love and to what or whom were they devoted? It was not God. Not justice or kindness or the humility to walk with God. Jeremiah looked on violence and poverty and meanness and called the people out. Chapter 17, Jeremiah says, Your sin is written with an iron pen and with a diamond point engraved upon the heart. Those are heavy words. Sins written with an iron pen and with a diamond point engraved. Can such words be taken away? Can such sins be forgiven? The prophet, by the word of God, says yes. Yes, yes, even though sins can be forgiven and are. I'll tell you a story about things written on the heart. This is a story about a young boy who from the time he could walk was taught to hate. He's Shane Johnson, and he grew up where his father was the imperial knight of the KKK. In their house, they read the Bible, and they were taught that the Bible said that anyone who was not white was a child of Satan. He was taught this. They held clan meetings in his house. They had cross burnings. He taught his father taught him that if he did not believe this, he would burn in hell. The hate was engraved upon his heart with an iron pen with a diamond point. And as he grew up, he tattooed this all over his body. Even as a preteen, he'd be in the clubhouse and they would tattoo each other with these symbols of hate. Across his belly, white nation, skulls, serpents, symbols of the clan all the way up his neck. He was a walking billboard of hate. At school, he was known as the kid from the clan house. And no one would sit with him. He had no friends. But when he was 22, things started to change. He met a girl 
tells how they met at the park one day after he had blown himself up, <laughs> making a cookout. And maybe the smoke covered his tattoos for that moment. But she saw something different in his heart. And as they became friends, she started to get him to question his beliefs, slowly working at it. And when Shane's father passed away, he decided to leave the clan. As he was about to leave town, the clan found out and they jumped him and he was in the hospital for two weeks. But he left. And he became severely ashamed of his beliefs and what was written all over his body. He and Tiffany married. At 26, he was about to have a son, and he did not want his son to grow up with a dad who walked around as a sign to hate. And he heard about Southside Tattoo in Baltimore. Now at this tattoo shop in Baltimore, this couple, Beth and David Cutlip, were confronted one day with another man who came who had gang tattoos across his forehead. And the young man came and said, can you cover these up? Can you remove them? Can you do anything? And Dave looked at these tattoos and said, I'm sorry, I can't do anything. But Dave knew that there were other people that he could help. And so he put it out on Facebook that they would remove any gang or hate-related tattoo for free. And the phone just went wild. And there's a GoFundMe site. And Shane heard about this, but he lives in the Midwest and he couldn't come to Baltimore because he couldn't afford it. But they got him there. And on those tattoos that were all up and down his neck, they took the tattoo pen and made the symbols of hate into roses and filled it with red and green so that when this man walks down the street, you see beauty. Dave and Beth said, people's hearts do change. And they should be allowed to show that. Sometimes the words on our hearts cannot be removed, but they can be transformed. That's called grace. Shane has a different kind of life. He'll be a dad who can go confidently to PTA meetings. His son will have friends. The days are surely coming. There is so much hope. The days are surely coming and may still yet be to come that God says, I will write 
my law upon their hearts. I will forgive their iniquity and remember their sins no more. It is time for a new promise, a new covenant, a new start. This is what God does for us. Out of the great love that God has for us, God whispers the questions that challenge our worn-out beliefs. God breaks hearts of stone and gives us tender hearts with love written upon them. Now, I want to say a word about forgiveness. Maybe you are someone who has been in the position that having someone in your life break promises to you over and over and over again. Maybe you have been the one to have been hurt again and again. And God gives us the opportunity and the gift of forgiveness, of confession, of reconciliation, but we have the chance to continue in that relationship or to end it. Sometimes ending a relationship is the healing thing to do. But maybe you have been the one in a relationship who has broken someone's promise. You have broken the promise over and over and over again. Asking for forgiveness can be that which frees you. Maybe you have had something written on your heart, something that diminished the fullness of your life. Maybe it was from when you were a child or somewhere along the way, some mistake of the past or present some lies that you have believed about yourself or others, some shame that never seems to heal. Today, take hope that what has been etched upon your heart with an iron pen and a diamond point, God takes the chisel of grace and rewrites the word love. The new covenant is Jesus. Jesus knows God in God's inmost being. Jesus taught God's love and summarized the law as love God with all your heart and with all your strength and with all your might and love your neighbor as yourself. So what word is written on your heart that you want changed forever? Maybe that word was not good enough. Allow God's chisel of grace to change that more than enough. Perhaps written on your heart was unlovable. Let God's chisel of grace this day write that to be uniquely and unbelievably lovable. Maybe the word arrogant has been written on your heart. God can change that to humble. 
maybe the word victim was written on your heart. Let God change that to victor. Whatever the word that has scarred your heart, let this be the day that it is transformed by the grace of God. We also need to remember that the hope that God gives is not just for each of our individual hearts and lives, but God was speaking to a nation. What words are written on the heart of our nation that must be transformed? What words must be chiseled away? What words of hate or racism or division or mistrust. The days are surely coming. We have hope and must not be dismayed, for God will write even on the heart of our nation words of compassion and justice and kindness, truth, and love. After 19 years of marriage, the engraving on the inside of my ring is wearing thin. I can still see it with very strong reading glasses and a bright light, but it's okay. The date of our marriage is written on my heart, the Sunday of Memorial Day weekend. Amen.